and alongside my husband Derek, we pastor Oxford Bible Church. Last week when we were together, uh, we spoke about what does uh, our worship mean to God? And we discovered that it means an enormous amount to God and that he loves to hear our worship. So, of course, it's very important for us to worship him. And today I want to, to cover uh, a question that some of us may have. Where do I start? How do I start to worship the Lord? And I used to find it very difficult to worship God simply because I'd heard other people worship him with, you know, beautiful long words, uh, almost like poetry. And I thought, I, I don't sound like that. And I can't sing very well, so singing was out of it. But then I discovered that God wants to hear from the heart. And it really doesn't matter how we sound as long as it's coming from our heart. That's what God looks at. And I remember on one occasion in our children's church, I asked one of the children to pray for another child. And she had a little stutter, and she stuttered and stumbled her way through the prayer. But it was so anointed. Oh, the, the, the presence of the Lord was so manifest. It really taught me a very strong lesson. God looks at the heart, and it doesn't matter if we struggle and stumble. It doesn't matter if we sing out of tune to the Lord. He loves us, and he loves to hear our worship coming from our heart. And it's good for us to be honest with the Lord. And we need to get alone with him. We need to have a place that we set on one side to be alone with him. And be honest with him. Say, Lord, I really don't know how to worship you. I want to learn. Please teach me. And the wonderful Holy Spirit, he will teach us. Jesus said that he will guide us into all truth. He will teach us. He will comfort us. He will help us. He is the helper. And I feel that Psalm 100 is a very helpful psalm. It's rather like a road plan into the presence of the Lord. Uh, just to give you some um, background information before we read that portion of scripture. Um, first of all, there is the, uh, the tabernacle had three parts. There was the outer court, which was fairly unrestricted. Um, anyone who, any Gentile who had converted to Judaism could go there. And then there was the inner court, the holy place, which was more restricted. That was Jews only. And then there was the holy of holies into the presence of Almighty God. And only the high priest could go into the holy of holies once a year, carrying the blood of a perfect animal that had no blemish. And um, it was for the sins of the whole nation. And that was just once a year. And he would go through the veil to um, the Holy of Holies. And that's where the Shekinah glory of God, the manifest um, presence of God, rested above the mercy seat. The mercy seat was atop the ark, and um, the, that's where the presence of God was. We need to remember that when Jesus died on the cross, he cried out, It is finished. And at that very moment, in Jerusalem, in the temple, the veil was torn from top to bottom. This is a, it wasn't a flimsy little thing. It could have been about four inches thick and about 30 feet drop. And it was torn top to bottom. It was totally supernatural. God himself tore that curtain. And no human being could have done it. And it really represented the sacrifice 
that had happened when Jesus' body was broken. He paid the price. Our sins have been paid for by his beloved son, Jesus Christ. God had come to be with his man. Now and forevermore, man has unrestricted access into the presence of God through the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's look at the three ways that are revealed in Psalm 100, um, how we enter in to the presence of God. It's Psalm 100, verse 4 and 5. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. We enter into his gates with thanksgiving. That's where the gates, the entrance was. This is where we start. We start with thanksgiving. It is so good to remember the good things that God has done for us. I used to tell the children, the attitude of gratitude brings God's blessings in a multitude. A thankful heart is the foundation to a life of worship. We don't want to be someone who just pops into church and has a little bit of a, a sing-song, and that's what we think of as worship. And so we want to start with thanksgiving. But, you know, I've heard, heard some Christians say they've got nothing to be thankful for. You see, I realize that many of us take God's blessings and goodness for granted. And it's like our eyes have been blinded, and we need to ask, Lord, open my eyes to see your goodness to me. So let's make it a habit, a practice, to thank God. It's good that when we wake up to, in the morning to start thanking God for all the material blessings that he has given us. Lord, I thank you that I am alive. If I'd not been born, I would never have known your wonderful love for me. I would never have had the opportunity to spend eternity with you. Thank God if you're free from pain. Thank God you're free from pain that you're whole, that your mind is sound, that you are born again, that you can see, that you can hear, that you can walk, that you can talk. I lost my voice once, and it was so frustrating not to be able to communicate with people, that I have a job, I have food to eat. Oh, they're on and on and on. There are so many things to thank God for. And then move to spiritual blessings that I am a new creation in Christ Jesus, that every sin and every act of rebellion of mine has been paid for by Jesus. The slate has been wiped clean. My past has gone forever, and I'm never, ever going to experience hell. Oh, we should be so grateful to God that we're never, ever going to experience hell, that we're going to spend eternity in ecstasy in the presence of the Lord, that, Father, thank you, that you gave your most precious gift, your beloved son. And thank you for your word, which cannot fail. Thank you for your precious Holy Spirit, who guides me, who protects me, who teaches me, who strengthens me through all my life. Thank you for your holy angels. Thank you, Father, that you've given me an open invitation to come into your presence at any time, any day. Thank you, Father, that you're always pleased to see me. You know, sometimes when you, you see some people, you can tell they are not pleased to see you. How do you feel? You feel rejected, but God is always pleased to see you. His arms are open. Why, my child, 
I am so thrilled to see you. So many of us focus on what we do not have. And when we start focusing on what we do have, our whole attitude to life will change for the positive. Did you know that you can talk yourself, I can talk myself, into depression and discouragement? But we can also talk ourselves into gratitude and joy. We just have to change what we're saying. The feelings will follow. I promise you they will. God is a good God. He's generous, he's loving, and he's full of mercy. He's the God of all encouragement and hope. Let me ask you a question. Do you like to be taken for granted? Supposing you do things for your family and they're not grateful, how do you feel? There's a lovely story of a farmer's wife. I honestly don't know if it's true or not. But um, she had about five sons and a husband, and they were very hard-working guys. And they loved to have a very big breakfast. I think they almost started with steak because they'd started early in the morning. And they would sit down to this sumptuous meal, and they'd gobble it all up, and they would jump up from the table and rush out. And this went on day after day, year in, year out. And one day, this dear lady was really just so tired of all this, and so... Uh, you know, they came in, she called them in for, the, for their breakfast, and she had set straw on the plates. On every single plate, she had set straw. And they didn't notice it until they were about to tuck in, and they realized they got a plate full of straw. And she said, well, you behave like animals. I thought you might like some straw. So you understand what it's like to be taken for granted. And God is good, and he doesn't deserve to be taken for granted. I want to challenge each and every one of us, myself included, develop an attitude of gratitude in our lives. If we experience any difficulty in entering God's presence to worship him, if our heart seems lukewarm or even cold, begin to list all the blessings that you have because of his goodness. It's going to open your heart. It's going to make your heart so tender towards your heavenly father. Let's return to Psalm 100 and come into his courts with praise. We're, we're getting closer to the marvelous and wonderful presence of God. And praise is a key role in bringing you into the presence of God. Praise and worship are actually very different. So what is praise? Praise is magnifying God for his acts, what he does. For instance, he has created you, he has redeemed you, he has healed you. He has defeated hell and death and grave for you. He has delivered you from countless problems. Do you know he saved you from road accidents that you were never even aware of? He has been protecting you. He's provided for your needs on countless occasions and protected you time after time after time. And it's good and right to praise God for all his goodness in your life. Praise is a bold declaration of your faith in God. God will do again and again and again what he's done in your life. It's not like he'll say, oh, I healed you five years ago. I haven't got enough healing left. No, he's always going to heal you. He's always going to help you. He's always going to come to your aid. Praise often calls things that are not yet in existence as though they were. And praise is an expression of victory that you have in Jesus in the face of all the circumstances that are telling you the opposite. Praise can be loud, 
it can be boisterous. We have loud praise and worship in Oxford Bible Church, and I thank the Lord for it. Praise is celebrate. It's a celebration of the mighty acts of God. And let's just touch on the Hebrew words for praise. The first one I have here is halal. Did you know that means to celebrate hilariously, to be clamorously foolish, to rave, to boast, to make a show, to shine forth? The root word is hallelujah. Alas is to rejoice, to exult, to jump for joy. I love that. Shabbat is to praise, to address in a loud voice as in triumph. Zamar is to make music accompanied by the voice. Look at the contrast as we look at the Hebrew words for worship. Yada is to worship with extended, uplifted hands, giving thanks. Tauda, to extend the hands in a thank offering. Barak is to kneel in adoration, to bless. Shabbat is to prostrate in homage as a servant or a slave would prostrate before the master. As you can see from these words, worship is more intimate. Praise is um, celebratory, it's loud, it's exuberant, it's powerful. And as you praise God, um, it's good for you to rehearse the past victories that God has given you. And praise connects you with the power of God's manifest presence. God says, I will inhabit the praises of my people. As we praise him, he inhabits the praises. But worship brings intimacy. Psalm 100 again. Um, and bless his name. Barak. It means to kneel in adoration to bless. Worship is the step that you make into the sweetness of God's manifest presence. By its very nature, it's intimate and it's very loving. Worship doesn't focus on God's acts, but it focuses on who God is. His person, his character, his nature. It centers on who God is to you. You know, when we're baby Christians, we really don't know enough of the word of God to know his nature and his character and his mighty acts. And this is where the Psalms are of tremendous help. May I suggest that you read through the Psalms and you write down phrases that David used in praising and worshiping God. This will help you. Use these phrases in your worship and praise. They can actually help stir your emotions. They will inspire you as you identify with the life situations and the emotions of the psalmist. Psalm 107, verse 8 to 9. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with good. Here's a lovely, lovely one. Psalm 36, verse 7 and 8. How priceless is your unfailing love. Both high and low among men find refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them to drink from your river of delights. Psalm 145, 16. You open your hand and satisfy 
satisfy the desires of every living thing. Oh, I love this. Psalm 73, verse 25. Whom do I have in heaven but you? I desire you, God, more than anything on earth. Another beautiful one is Psalm 42, 1 and 2. As the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? We can go and meet with God in that private place, in our heart, with him. There are many titles of God that David ascribes to God in the Psalms, and they reflect the way in which David related to God. And it's a good idea to, to make a list of these, um, and they can echo your relationship with the Lord. Bring them into your times of personal worship, of praise and worship. It, uh, David said, you are my rock, my refuge, my strength, my deliverer, my king, my portion forever. When we bless his name, we come into worship. We adore him. And God reveals his names to, in the, to us in the Bible because it reveals so much of his nature and his character. It's a good, time to, a good thing to spend time uh, meditating on the names of God. And uh, as you read the Bible each day, be on the lookout for the names of God and underline them and highlight them and keep them in a little book because it's good to refresh your memory, to refresh your heart on the names of God. Um, for example, um, Jehovah Zidkanu, that means the Lord my righteousness in Jeremiah chapter 23 verse 6 um, in the King James Version um, it says now this is his name by which he will be called the Lord our righteousness or you could say another way you make me righteous and give me right standing with you and so you could pray in this manner dearest Heavenly Father Let's pray together. I would like us to pray together right now. And I will say it and, and ask you if you would repeat it in your heart, if this echoes your heart. Dearest Heavenly Father, I worship you and I thank you that you are my righteousness. Where would I be if you had not paid the price for me? If you had not paid the price for my sins and washed me clean, in the precious blood of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ. I had nothing to offer you, Lord. I gave you nothing, but you loved me so much that you gave me your righteousness. You gave it as a totally free gift. Now I am holy and pure in your sight through the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ who died on my behalf Lord you gave your son to die for me even when I did not love you father you have given me access into your wonderful presence at any time any day and you have put me in right standing with you forever oh I bless you father Hallowed be your name. I love you, Father, 
with all my heart. I thank you from the very depths of my being. Thank you for loving me, Father. You see, by putting God's names and title into your own words, they become full of meaning, and you can use them to express your love and your appreciation to the Lord. You know that the title is Jesus, the Bread of Life. In um, the New King James Version, John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus, you are my bread of life. Let's speak to the Lord right now. Lord Jesus, you are my bread of life. Like the natural food sustains my body, you are the one alone who satisfies my soul. You sustain my spirit. Lord Jesus, I cannot live without you. Your love and your sweet presence and fellowship, they are everything to me. You are my strength. You are my delight. You satisfy every craving of my heart. You are the bread that has come down from heaven to earth to feed my hungry soul. I yearn for you, Lord Jesus. I want every bit of you. You are life itself to me, Lord. I absolutely adore you, Lord Jesus. And then we have the wonderful Holy Spirit, the Comforter. Jesus said in John 14, 16, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. We pray, wonderful Holy Spirit, you are such a precious gift from Jesus. I appreciate you more than words can say. You've been so patient with me, so tender. Your love and your kind dealings with me have been so wonderful. You are so kind to me. Dear Holy Spirit, I never want to be without you, and I know I never will have to be without you, because you promised never to leave me or desert me. Dear Holy Spirit, you've been my faithful companion. You've been my friend, my teacher. Your constant presence and strength within assures me that I will never, ever be alone again. Precious Holy Spirit of God, you are so beautiful, and I love you so. As you constantly behold him in this way, you will be changed into his image. God bless you and fill you with all his joy and peace. May you have the most wonderful times of fellowship with the Lord. God bless you.